Hey, how are you doing? I'm Steve Folland. Thanks for listening. This time, let's find out what it's like being freelance for illustrator and designer Dan Brammel. I was made redundant a week before my second daughter was due to be born, which was super scary. I was just thrown into it. It just had to happen. There wasn't a failure as an option. <laughs> now, really broadened out what I do. So, so just trying to adapt, really. I think that's really important thing for any freelancer to try to realize nothing's going to last forever and, and you have to reinvent yourself all the time yes hello it's um it's nice to be back a new year if you are listening to this when it goes out an old year possibly if you're listening to this some way into the future but yes this is technically the first guest of 2018 illustrator and designer dan brammel coming up in a moment you can find all of our guests at beingfreelance.com or wherever you get your podcasts be it apple podcasts or i know some android version or you know some third party app wherever it is make sure you hit subscribe and if there's a review function leave a review do us a favor Uh, of course i also have the vlog at beingfreelance.com you can find that the vlog is on youtube it's basically me documenting my freelance week so i do on a weekly basis film every day charting what i get up to thank you so much for all the nice comments if you think about hitting like or subscribe on that then that is awesome and all of that both the episodes of the podcast and the vlogs are at beingfreelance.com where you can also sign up to the email uh, you can do that beingfreelance.com right let's crack on find out what it's like being freelance for illustrator and designer dan brammel hey dan hello there steve hi nice to meet you <laughs> likewise so um how about we get started hearing about how you got started being freelance? Well, basically, I've always, always wanted to have a job um, where I didn't have to wear a shirt or tie. And if I did have to wear a shirt, I didn't want to tuck it in. Um, <laughs> and I thought that that was a little limiting. So I thought that maybe working for myself would be the way forward. And it's been quite a journey for the last probably 20 years, actually. I graduated 20 years ago this, this summer. 1998. So was it straight out of university or whatever you were studying into being freelance, was it? I had someone offer me a job for my first, for my degree show, which was very kind. And that was, that was sort of taken on a sort of a zero hour, they call it a zero hours contract now. I suppose I was paid weekly. Um, and I, was, I worked for Littlewood's uh, catalogue in, up in Liverpool, which was very different to what I'm doing now. <laughs> but um, was really great starting point, uh, I can now see that it was it was a worthwhile thing to do. How long did you do that for? Not for very long, but it was probably like a year and a half, something like that. Um, and then uh, I decided to sort of try and keep up with technology. It was starting to change around that time, sort of talking around sort of the end of the 90s, 2000 sort of area. And so I trained in uh, multimedia uh, with the intention of uh, sort of learning animation and those sort of skills um, and to try and use my own artwork a bit more which I always wanted to do did you take time out to study or were you studying alongside yeah so I I I took time out to study some some people would call it a Dolly's course (laughs) Um, but uh, it was only a fairly short course it was about eight or nine months I think but um, from that I managed to get a a proper job as an interactive designer and um, sort of went from there really Interesting, because, you know, because I introduced you as, you know, illustration and design. I didn't say an interactive designer or anything like that, did I? Given that we're only on the cusp of the new millennium, um, what on earth was the route next? Yeah, well, um, 
So my first, my first degree uh, was graphic communication, I think it was called. So I've, yeah, so I've got a lot of experience as a graphic designer doing various different things, interactive stuff and print and all sorts of stuff. And also, you know, the illustration then came later when I did a, an MA, probably 2004, around that sort of time. So when did you actually find yourself being freelance? Um, well, I've had a couple of spells of doing it. So after I finished my MA... I was employed by a children's publisher and that was a straightforward design job. Um, I did that for a couple of years and then decided to, to go for it and, you know, became freelance. Um, it wasn't ideal, really. I wasn't really set up. We, this is like pre-social media at, uh, time. So I was a bit isolated, actually, working in the desk at the bottom of my bed and it, it just, just wasn't ideal. It's was a bit isolated. And so I did okay. I did all right, but it, it wasn't it wasn't brilliant so I didn't sustain it and then I went back into full-time employment and then have subsequently come back into it again um, in the last five years I think. So it really was the fact that you were working by yourself and you kind of missed the company was it that you went back? Yeah very much so I've always been really sociable and I I really like being a colleague and having colleagues I really really do like office life and I think it, it can be a really positive thing. To, you know, working in a team, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But still got this really sort of selfish way about my work, where I, I want to produce my own artwork and and almost sort of be a bit of a loose cannon that way. So it's it's been a, it's it's always been a strange sort of contradiction, as it were. So yeah, basically, um, I have been made redundant in the past. I'm sure many many people have, but that's as always has worked out really well for me <laughs> because even though it might seem scary at the time, sort of financially, it, it always leads to better things. So was the most recent time you were made redundant? Uh, it was, it was actually. Uh, I was really desperate yeah. to. I was really desperate to, to go for it. Um, I've basically, I've, I've had this sort of illustration, um, almost of the hat. I, wear, I say I almost wear two hats. So I've worked as a designer really ever since I left uni, but I've I've been doing my own artwork, and it's sort of very gradually started, been building up commissions and doing, you know, doing stuff. On, on the illustration front but could never sustain a full-time living from it for a long time and um and yeah and basically was ma- I was made redundant a week before my second daughter was bo- was due to be born <laughs> which was super scary jeez so um mm. so what did you do then like had you had you been doing anything on the side had you been building up a web presence like what was uh, so this was five years ago then yeah, about five years ago. Yeah, I did. I, I um, I had been working. You know, I'd, I'd got a, quite a good portfolio of of commissioned work. Um, but I, I, I sort of, had, you know, have had a always had a sort of full time job. I used to work in London. I've had sort of about three proper jobs. I think I'd call <laughs> in London. Yeah, I was always trying to find the energy and the time to to do my own stuff, which I really loved. And I, I was lucky enough to to get some good, really good commissions. Um, which really gave me a glimmer of hope that there, that there was a proper career out there. Um, but yeah, basically, I was just thrown into it, and um, it, it happened. It just had to happen. There wasn't there wasn't a, uh, there wasn't a failure as an option. <laughs> no, there wasn't. But equally, you you know, with two kids um, and probably a house and things like this, you could have gone and got another job somewhere else. Yes, indeed, I could have done. I'm sure my wife would really have liked that. Um, um, but um, yeah, again, I say the pig, pig-headedness in me again um, came back into it. I, I, you know, I, I genuinely felt that it was so close, you know, the success of, of, of being able to sustain. So how did you go about it? How, 
How did you build it? It's really strange, you know, when I've, I've listened to, to some of your other podcasts and, and you've had some great interviews and, and uh, it's quite funny when you, you think about yourself in that way. It's, 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 you don't even, you know, when you write a CV, I don't know when the last time you wrote a CV was, but I haven't done one for a few years. And um, it's really strange when you assess your own career, isn't it? It's very, very odd. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's just gradual. I think, you know, the, the whole... The whole element of, of, of building up a personal network was so important to me. Um, you know, never underestimate that. So, you, you, you know, I, I was lucky to be in, in the field. So I worked in children's publishing for a long time and, um, and had lots of great friends and colleagues and, and other people I could, you know, approach. And, and so I've managed to, to sustain work that way. And then, you know, it's, it's trial and error. I've never had a master plan. I've, I'm always beating myself up over being able to do things better and <laughs> should be doing this and should be doing that but um you know somehow somehow I've managed to do it so did you put the feelers out there to your network as you say like saying hey I'm freelance now if you need anything, yeah is it that sort of thing yeah. yeah I think I think I'm trying to remember five years ago I think it was it really was that I, I um managed to get um out of the house I was really worried because obviously new babies and needing money and all that kind of stuff is quite all quite scary so yeah I um I put the feelers out locally I think it must have been on Twitter or something like that. And I got to know a lovely lady who's an artist. I got chatting with her and basically just asked her if I could just come and have a chat. And we, we had a chat to hit it off. And um, she offered me some space in her studio, which was absolutely brilliant. It was a really great start for me because I was able to get out of the house and you know, socialise a bit more and, and still be sort of near enough to, to focus on family stuff. But also, uh, yeah, really sort of start, start feeling like I was properly professional <laughs> and running my own business as it were cool Is, and are you still in that studio now uh no i'm not in the same studio but um i'm with some friends who all sort of have their own businesses um and we have sort of a co-working type of setup here so it's about four miles from from my house and it feels like i'm actually coming to work which is quite good you just got that sort of you switch off from from other things and focus on work which is really good and yeah really interesting group of people um everyone doing very very different things which is great so uh, like a, a group of friends um what you 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 took it upon yourselves to all hire one space or like how did that work yeah that's pretty much it got working with a couple of mates and and they said they had another couple of friends and you know and we it just happened at the right time really um and then it sort of ended up with about, I think about 12 of us we started out. <clears throat> and yeah, we got, we've just got a space in a very, in a very boring business centre. But it, it's, we've made it, we've made it really fun. We've made You're it. You're selling we, it. <laughs> we've made it, no, we've made it fantastic. We've made it non-business. We, um, we actually call it shit Google, which is quite funny because we, we used to have a table tennis table. Uh, well, no, it was an air hockey table that didn't work. And, um, and we've got a bar that's, that just has tea in coffee rather than booze but um <laughs> it, it we just thought it was quite funny so that that got shortened to shagoogle um and uh yeah that's where we work that's really nice so that whole isolation that you felt of being freelance first time around is gone absolutely yeah definitely yeah it's important and so your clients therefore i guess could be anywhere if you've built this network of of publishing yes yes indeed um I do have a lot of clients still in London, so I've worked for lots of uh, lots of the major publishers in London. But I've also I have got some other clients who who sort of more international. So 
obviously now there's lots of lots of ways that authors and publishers can bring books out and so i've been i've been approached directly by authors who are self-publishing um that's really really interesting those who are sort of willing to invest properly in in marketing and, and actually producing sort of book covers properly that's great and I've, you know i've got two there's two authors who i've worked with in the last few years who really gone on to great success but I've moved away quite a lot from just doing publishing work which is what I was doing but, um, now really broadened out uh, what I do so so just trying to adapt really I think that's a really important thing for any freelancer to try to realize nothing's going to last the same last forever and, and you have to reinvent yourself all the time well it sounds like you've been doing that yeah right from the beginning in the amount of times you've gone back and studied and and, and stuff and, and seen changes coming so you've deliberately diversified your income yeah i hope so i mean it could sound like i'm a bit of a nutcase but um <laughs> it, it's basically it's yeah i think the idea is to try and get enough skills um that i can i can make a living and make this work you know throughout any changes so obviously you know working in publishing i was then very concerned about um what was happening in that industry and and what was you know what the political situation was you know you need to make sure you're not you're not stranded somewhere so making sure that you do enough that that, that can sustain living really and how about like local clients because you've obviously built this you know local community at shagoogle so yeah <laughs> how about um beyond like do, do, do you ever work with local businesses Yes, yes, I have, I have worked with, I mean, that, again, that's part of going back partly to what I said about um, having to adapt. And I think, you know, I was working for just for big London publishers and only had a couple of, a couple of clients or whatever, a few clients. But um, I've had to be much, much more um, open-minded to working with, with lots of different people. And, you know, I've worked with, you know, one person, companies like my own, um, to huge companies. How do you manage your your clients especially when that's that's quite a range of uh organizational structures uh well manage i don't know <laughs> i think um i just tr i try to be as personable as possible i think you know I, I don't i don't use the we term in my business when i when i speak to a client i don't you know because i know some small companies do that and there's only one person but i just felt it's just you know I want to try and put across a real personal approach and a personal um, um, that sort of personal relationship. That's the one. That's the one. And that's that's the thing actually, because you because um, you you trade as the scribbler, yeah. That's um, correct. Yeah, 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 yeah. the scribbler, Il illustration and design. Did you know when you went freelance five years ago? Is that when the scribbler came into existence, or like did you trade just as Dan Bramall for a bit? Like, how did you decide to trade as a company now? Oh right, yeah. So um, I've had the email address uh, of the scribbler. Obviously, scribbler is a card company, isn't it? Uh, they've got sort of a high street card company, so that, they've been going for a while. But I do think that I had the domain name possibly before they they existed because I was that was just me really I was just referring to myself I wanted something that was sort of catchy and descriptive but fun at the same time and memorable I think that was the key but yeah in terms of the actual sort of business side of things I was just a sole trader yeah so I just traded as myself I think um, I might have had another name but I can't remember <laughs> how it was registered but um, but yeah basically I set up as a limited company so proper company uh, about two years ago two and a bit years ago so yeah so when did you start just you know putting on everything the scribbler 
as as you you know, given that you're still putting across that personal feeling. I don't I don't actually remember. But I think I had the, the, the Twitter handle term, whatever it is you call it, um before that. Um but certainly what yeah, I like once that. It sounds company. like it grew grew really organically and that you already had the URL and so yeah. then of course you got the Twitter handle and it was just like yeah, oh, well, what am I was. gonna call my company? <laughs> it's Yeah, I think it was myself. I think I did have a funny argument with my accountant over that because I remember her suggesting certain things because it was really down to what was available as well. <laughs> and, uh, and I started, you know, we, I think we just discussed quite a few different things. She thought I was just an artistic idiot. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, you, you, can never, you can never make a quick decision as an artistic person. You've always got to, you know, beat yourself up and then worry whether you've made the right choice and then... And then say, change it, please change it. Oh no, don't actually, it's fine. <laughs> I don't know so, what no. gave what gave her that impression as she's filling in the form. So the scribbler at <laughs> Google was it? How yeah. am I spelling? No, that? no, she she doesn't know that term. <laughs> she doesn't know anything about that. <laughs> um, and uh, given that, like, you had this hit, like, basically your job had been designed, but you loved doing your illustration. How did you start to bring your illustration? to the forefront because if i was to you know if somebody after listening to this goes looks at your website now and there'll be a link at the website um your illustration really is at the forefront of it so how did you start sort of push you know yeah i guess persuading people that this is what you offer and this is kind of your style and what you do yeah i think that was that was a really slow process really really slow i think um i've always always created my own sort of self-initiated work and 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 created create really creative work really personal work um even you know when I wasn't paid for it and that was quite a lot of the time <laughs> some of the work that I've done you know as an employee as it were I've been really proud of um and some and some less proud of um but uh I think uh, I I've just built it up gradually so I've always worked as hard as I can to to try and produce you know a, a body of work which I could then suddenly look at and go wow I'm a proper illustrator and I, I, I used to be embarrassed to actually call myself an illustrator because I, I felt I was a bit of a fraud um, which is crazy really because you know it's all down to self-belief <laughs> I'm sure this is a recurring theme but um, yeah basically it, it just it just happened almost almost like one day when I was just trying to set up a website thinking actually look I've got absolutely loads of stuff here this is quite good and some of it is, <laughs> is worth showing off yeah I like that you almost didn't believe it yourself no, nope. had to convince myself. Absolutely. You you mentioned having kids, so there was two. Is there still just two? Oh yes. Okay. There is certainly only two, and there will not be any more. <laughs> so I can do anything to do with it. Two two kids. How, yeah. how does work fit with with family life? It's a challenge at times, but it's a massive plus as well because there's lots of you know I live in the south of England now. There's lots of dads who work in London who barely see their kids or go out at seven in the morning and come back at seven or eight at night and. You know, I, I'm not like that. And I think certainly in early days, it's really important to, to see them if you can. And um, they, they will take up every minute they can. But I just give them what I can, really. So my wife is also self-employed. So she works around their school, school time. And then I usually at the moment, I sort of start work a bit later. So I drop them off to school most days. So I see them in the morning. And it's a lot more pleasant than it used to be. <laughs> um, and... Uh, occasionally get stressed but usually it's good fun and then um yeah i i, <laughs> what, I get, work a bit what, later getting them out of the house you mean oh yeah oh the amount of times you just have a little button that says 
put your shoes on, put your shoes on. <laughs> or, or get your coat on. Yeah, um, it's, it's, it does teach you a lot about patience, definitely. <laughs> but it's, it's, I think it's fantastic. I mean, you know, my job allows me to, to go to assemblies and to school plays and stuff like that that, that other parents can't do. So it doesn't mean it's, um, it will last forever or will always be like that. But I think it's certainly early days. It's really brilliant to be able to do that. Yeah. And so, um, you know, you mentioned that, you know, commuting to your to your to your studio and things. So dropping the kids off and then on you go. So so what sort of when how long would you be there? Like, do you keep a routine or? Yeah, I think routine is good, actually. On the whole, I work around about sort of maybe about half nine if I get to work. Um, and then I work till about six ish, sometimes a bit later. So six six thirty, I try and get home about about that time. So I always get to see them before they go to bed, if I can. And then it's just a question of sort of if if you haven't finished something, I have to do it in the evening or what have you. But that's just everyone does, don't they? Who who makes these choices? Yeah. So um, you know, that's a that's a full on day. How do you go in and know what you're going to work on? Well, I write a lot of lists. I think um, they're as useful as they are harmful <laughs> it can drive you into a panic can't they but um yeah generally i, I try to, to to set myself a task for the day either in the morning or the night before or some yeah sometimes when i leave i'll say this is what i'm going to do tomorrow but you know it's, it's, it's an eternal issue isn't it with any whatever sector you work in or whatever area you're in is, is time management that's it's, it's always a challenge um but yeah, I think having worked sort of in proper jobs, as it were, as, a, as opposed to colouring in for a living, I think it's, um, it's a skill that I've learned over time. And how about the sort of the finances side of it? Oh, the finances, <laughs> uh, financial challenges and stuff like that. Well, I've always realised that this is, this is a career that's not going to make me, make me rich. So once I'd got that sort of into my head, and that was absolutely fine, I'm just trying to make it sustainable. That's the next thing. You know, the next thing is to make sure you can get a mortgage and, and, and pay the bills and occasionally go on holiday, look after your kids and all that sort of stuff. And it's a lot more challenging than it was when I first started. It's much tougher. And, this, and it's definitely the hardest part of the career. And, and there's still a lot of doubt that comes in working month to month. I'm trying to build up money in my business, but, you know, as a bit of a buffer, because obviously people say in, in any book you read oh you must have three months money to, to to sustain yourself and of course that's all well and good in an ideal world but the bills don't stop so um yeah so I, I find it really hard it's it's tough I mean some you know some jobs you have even when you're working full-time you can have struggles you know getting paid or or people releasing money or, or you know finishing a job and then invoicing and it, there's always things that come up so it's definitely the hardest part but I think it's starting to move in the right direction for me, but it's, it's taken a very long time, very long time. Mm. And touched upon having like different streams of income earlier because y- you've got your shop as well. And I think I've seen pictures of you like out and about, like physically selling it, not just online. Is that important to you as well? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And that's, that really has helped in a lot of ways. And so basically, um, I think I started doing it. I mean, obviously a lot of illustrators and um, artists will, you see, have Etsy shops and get out and about. And there's loads of these art markets and craft markets up, up and down the country. But uh, it, it's something that started with me, I think, probably during a lean time. I think I had 
I didn't have any commissions or any work on at the time, and I thought, you know, I've got to, I've just got to. If I, if people aren't going to come to me, I've got to, I've got to take the work out there, and they've got to see it. And even if I don't sell anything, they might, they might see something, and I might get something back from it at some point. Probably about four years ago, I think it started. It started off very small, and I started doing Christmas markets. Again, it was like something I was originally would have been out of my comfort zone to put myself out there. Of this is me, this is what I do, and all the rejection that comes with that. But you know, I found it so rewarding, and it's, it's it's genuinely the best thing in the world when when someone selects your work for their own house. You know, I, I was thinking about this um, earlier about you know thinking about the best side of my job and it's right up there really is you know along with it's, it, it sounds really a, a bit glib to say but you know someone giving you a big chunky commission big company I, to me it's just as good when when a, an individual comes and, and chooses a picture you've done for their house or for a present for their family member because that's it's 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 so so special really just feels great and I still get a buzz from that Wicked. Yeah, there's some great stuff in there. Go take a look at beingfreelance.com. Of course, we'll put a link through to Dan's website and you can track him down on social. Um, now, I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself, make two true, one a lie, and let me figure out the lie. What do you have for me? Okay, let's see how good I am at lying. <laughs> okay, first one. I once caused a criminal court case to be ruled as a mistrial and all the lawyers and jurors were released at the cost to the taxpayer of approximately £100,000. <laughs> okay. Second one. I once sat on Brian Blessed's lap. <laughs> right. Um, Brian Blessed, uh, people around the world, uh, not from the UK, frantically Googling him. Personal hero, Brian Blessed, I should probably yeah, say. Yeah, I, I think of most people in Britain, really. He's phenomenal. <laughs> but Absolutely. But we should point out that it's not like he, he works as a Santa Claus, so not quite sure why you're on his lap. Uh, uh-huh. Number three. The third one was, when I was young, I auditioned and got to the final for the original TV series of Adrian Mole. Oh, <gasps> did you? Or didn't you? Oh man, these are good. These are so diverse. So Adrian Mole. <laughs> so Adrian Mole. I wonder whether you would be too young to be in the original TV series of Adrian Mole. But it's such a random thing, TV show to pick if that wasn't true. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, so how old would you have been then? Well, I was twelve, and the um, actor obviously playing who got the part was Stephen Mangan may have seen TV long TV career which I may have had if I hadn't if I'd got it was it Stephen Mangan <laughs> the original one was, was Stephen yeah. Mangan the original Adrian Moore he certainly was I never knew that so what was go. he a kid at the time he was he was young he's a little bit older than me but um, yeah I never there we go. knew that and was that like the only thing you ever did like were you quite a, a no, that was it that, that put me off I, I, I did sort of amateur dramatics and a bit of stuff at school but uh that was it for my tv career until until recently which i'll tell you about in a minute <laughs> what well, is that when you then met brian blessed and sat on his knee <laughs> no that was um not in nothing to do with tv that was uh when i was a young when i was a child i was treated to a trip to see cats the musical brian blessed was in the musical and during sort of the interval, I went down, sort of met him, and 
and sat on his lap, which was, <laughs> which was fantastic, which only now I realised was amazing. But um, no one took a photo of it, which was really no sad. No way! No, oh. no, photo, no photographic evidence. I suppose this was, yeah, pre-camera phones. You, you probably wouldn't oh, yeah. think to take your f- camera to the theatre, would you? Um, no. Okay. Now, you see, look, these all sound so true. Because, again, I can't understand why you would make up... How on earth did you cause a mistrial? Were you in the, <laughs> were you in the jury? That's right, that's right, absolutely. So, yeah, all the jurors uh, one day, we were about, I think, about a week into, the, into a trial. And, uh, yeah, we were let, released, you know, told to go home at the end of the day. And I walked out of the court and the defendant approached me and told me that he wasn't guilty and shouting at me down the road and I realised that was not cool <laughs> and, and told the judge the next morning and he said you've done absolutely the right thing but we have to completely scrap this case <laughs> oh my god because it could be that you felt intimidated then and intimidated so, yes, exactly intimidated. exactly so yeah so basically the whole the whole thing was ruled a mistrial and they had to basically to do the court, you know, they had to yeah. run it again, um, you know, a year later or six months later. Oh my gosh, okay. Not good. These, these are brilliant. I simply, okay, I'm going to say the mistrial is true because I don't see where that would come from. <laughs> so, Brian Blessed, again, I want that to be true. I've no idea whether he was ever in Cats. He seems quite big for a cat. Uh, sorry, Brian, if you listen. Uh, Adrian <laughs> Mole, I still kind of feel like you would be too young for Adrian mole if you graduated in 98 you said earlier <laughs> and i Clever. think i think that was probably like the mid 80s i don't i don't think adrian mole is true well you're a very perceptive man that's correct yes that's not true at all totally made up but it, it would have been good if it was true, wouldn't it? It, it was a brilliant fact. <laughs> uh, was Stephen... Hang on, was the Stephen Manga bit true? Was he actually... Adrian I Mole? believe it is true. He, he was Adrian He Mole. didn't just do yeah. it in, like, when, he, in, when they remade it recently as an adult or something like that. I believe he was, I believe he was now, a, as a young lad. Now I'm Adrian Googling Mole. Adrian Mole TV. <laughs> do uh, it, do it. Adrian Mole TV. Uh, see, oh, here we are. When was it? 1985, I was right. Mid-1980s. Come there on, you then. Go. who was in Very it? Good. Very good. Uh, oh, no, he, he wasn't. It was a guy called he... uh, Gian Samarco. It was when they remade it. Yep. Adrian Mole for Cappuccino years, when he's much older. Ah, uh, there in you the go, year you 2001. See. Okay, so <laughs> there, there we are. It's, it's like... Um, it's like Call My Bluff meets the IMD database. It's nice. Right. Um, <laughs> There's some new facts as well. Which, of course, uh, rather perfectly, though, the best thing is that really does mean you did sit on Brian Blessed's knee. So good, good. I now, did. if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be? Right. Okay. Younger self. Um, I was told when I was uh, just finishing uni, actually, that to sustain a career as a, as a sort of illustrator designer creative anything like that you have to have the skin of a rhino and i would i would still i'd still say that was a very very wise thing to say you have to take the knocks you have to be very confident in your own abilities um and just persevere 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 yeah get on with it don't put things off until tomorrow as well that's a good one yeah have there been times in this in this you know second the last five years of being freelance where you have thought 
I I can't do this. I'm I'm going to go and get a proper job. Oh yeah, many times, and not that long ago either. But I absolutely love my job. Um, I think that's what makes it so frustrating is when when it's going well. You know, it's you know it's so brilliant. It it really is the best job there is. And um, yeah, it's just taking those frustrations and putting them in a little box and <laughs> telling them to go away. Do you have like the because there you are telling you yourself and your own frustrations to go away. Do you have like a, I don't know, a not mentor, but a group of, I know you work with your mates, but is that a scenario where you, you know, you talk to each other about business type stuff or is it just, you know, whose go it is on the broken air hockey? No, no, we definitely do. And that's what's, it does work because, you know, I know a lot of people now that I can ask for advice for various things. Um, I think especially people who don't work in the same field as well, that can be, that can be really useful because you still have the same frustrations. If, you, if you're running your own business, you still have the same problems. What to do if someone's not paying on time? What, you know, how do you ask for this, that or other? Or, you know, it, it's so many different things that occur. It doesn't matter what area you work in. That's really great. Um, the other thing is we have some really good networking groups here. So the sort of formal ones just generally don't work for me because I turn up without my shirt tucked in and, uh, and, and people take one look at me and think he's not going to be any good for me uh, selling financial products to or someone, something like that. But we've got some great ones. We've some friends set up a fantastic um, group called the Creative Meat uh, Spelt, as in the butcher type of meat. And that's absolutely brilliant. And loads and loads and loads of people from all different areas, you know, actually meeting up in real life, <laughs> which is good and slightly unusual in this day and age. No, that's great. That's all good. Listen, thank you so much, Dan. I really appreciate it. Go to beingfreelance.com. You can find links through to everything that Dan is up to. Uh, find him on social media and say hi. Oh, and of course, the shop as well, which has got su- such wicked things in it as well. So go take a look, beingfreelance.com. But Dan, thank you so much and all the best being freelance. Oh, thank you, Steve. Thank you so much for having me on. Really appreciate it. Really appreciate it.